Okay, just talking about the stay-at-home order, trying to clear up the confusion as to what is and is not allowed for the next four weeks. Well, Ontario's vaccination strategy, that is also shifting, and there's also, also some confusion surrounding that as well as to who is now eligible and who still is not eligible for a vaccine. Fred Hahn is the president of CUPE Ontario and joins us now for more on this here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Fred, very good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. All right. Uh, we are now targeting the hot spots, or about to. As uh, QP understands it, just exactly who is going to be eligible now for the vaccine? Well, look, uh, we heard the same things that any Ontarian who tuned in to the press conference that the Premier provided yesterday heard. We understand it's folks in hot spots that uh, that might include workplaces in some of those hot spots that it's people uh, over the age of 18, uh, that, they're, that the age limits that have been in place previously won't uh, exist, and that some education workers uh, in those hotspots are also going to be prioritized. But there's a lot of detail uh, that's left out in yesterday's announcement. Such as, what are you looking for clarification on? Well, I don't know, like, when this starts, for example. They did uh, say, of course, uh, that by next week, uh, some education workers would start to qualify. Um, But they weren't clear about when these mobile teams would begin. Um, They talked about working with some faith-based communities. But they didn't talk about working with community agencies. Uh, The reality of many of the places where we're seeing, uh, you know, very high density of cases uh, and a high proportion of frontline workers is that these communities are also cultural communities. They have connections. Some of those connections are faith-based, but there are community health networks there. There are community centers and community agencies set up to serve these communities with the connections and roots in those communities. It's not clear that they're going to have any role in this vaccine rollout, which is a massive undertaking. Uh, We think, you know, that kind of detail would be important. Are we doing enough and do we have enough details as to uh, protecting essential workers? Are we doing enough to uh, help them out? Well, look, I, I guess I want to start by saying the massive shift we saw in this vaccination plan yesterday is really a testament to the work of so many people who have repeatedly demanded, you know, that racialized folks, that black communities, uh, that, uh, you know, we had doctors, we had health professionals, all saying we have to go and target uh, and make sure that we're uh, expanding access to vaccination for these communities and for these essential workers uh, who are sort of in the crosshairs here now. We did that with long-term care. We understood we needed to do that with long-term care. We now need to, in this wave of this pandemic, expand that. And, the, and I really believe that the only reason that happened yesterday is because of the incredible tenacity and work of so many who have been demanding for this to happen. Uh, but as I said, you know, we, the devil's in the details and we don't have a lot of details. We're really hopeful that this will make a measurable difference. But, you know, it's hard to have faith. It's not like having a vaccine for this uh, is a new idea. We knew this was coming uh, governments at all levels knew it was coming. Uh, we had months and months to plan. Uh, the province of Ontario actually retained the services of a retired general who was supposed to be a logistic expert on the massive logistical challenge of delivering 
a vaccination program like this. He's since resigned. So it's hard to have faith uh, that this will actually work. What I have faith in is these community organizations, though, uh, folks who groups that have been historically ignored and underfunded for a very long time, but are there. They, uh, they operate in these communities. They have deep connections and roots. They're trusted by people in these communities. And is that a great example, sorry, Fred, of uh, somebody who's a stakeholder and should be further engaged? Because what you're talking about when it comes to access, I mean, clearly it's not working or it's just not good enough to say, hey, a uh, a mass vaccination center is uh, now open. Go online and uh, sign up uh, for yourself. We really need to get into some of these uh, communities, some of these uh, workplaces, take the vaccine to them, right to them. Absolutely, 100%. And it's not good enough to buy a new vehicle a mobile vaccination unit and drive it into a community where no one's ever seen these people and they all climb out of the vehicle and say, come on in, let's get vaccinated. But if you go to the community health center that's been there for 30 years, if you go to the, to the organization that has deep roots that already is providing services and supports for people in that community, they should absolutely be at the table. They are an essential part of planning here. And that they weren't mentioned yesterday shows us something. I mean, I would say reminds us of something. Unfortunately, our current government has a blind spot to certain supports and services that have existed in our communities for a long time. They want to rely on pharmacies. Well, some pharmacies, not all of them, as we've seen in many of the hotspots in the city of Toronto, for example, in the northwest corner, two pharmacies in a giant quadrant of the city had access to AstraZeneca when hundreds of pharmacies across uh, other parts and wealthier parts of the city had all kinds of vaccine. So there's all kinds of issues here. Uh, but it's no question that to be successful, we need to involve those people on the ground in those communities who care deeply about those communities, who have relationship with people, in those, who know where people live, and who can absolutely go uh, and help deliver vaccines. And we need to have that same support in workplaces. That's why unions need to be involved. Representatives of those so that workers have not only faith and trust, but understand how important this is for all of us to get yeah. vaccinated. Well, I'll ask you about one of those issues, which is paid sick days. And it seems we were talking about this uh, not every other day, but uh, every day. And CUPE, CUPE Ontario, in a media release, says that any successful stay-at-home order must, must include legislated paid sick days. The premier was asked about that during the press conference uh, once again uh, yesterday. He pointed to the federal government in support there. What's your response? It's so disingenuous. Uh, There is a federal program. It is not paid sick days. It is fundamentally different from paid sick days. First of all, it's a temporary measure put in just because of COVID. You have to apply after having been sick. There are a series of qualifications. You have to hoops. You know, hurdles you have to clear in order to be approved. And once you're approved, you're going to have to wait six to eight weeks to get your money. You know why people don't use that? Because they have to pay the rent and feed their children. People have, from the beginning of this pandemic, too many people have had to make the difficult choice to go to work when they might not otherwise do so because they need to not miss their shift. And what a paid sick leave program would mean why so many people are calling for it. Look, we're just one group. There are doctors and mayors and health professionals of all kind. Even Dr. Williams, the chief medical officer of health, acknowledged this would be a good supportive 
measure. This would be pay continuance. I'm sick. I don't go to work. It doesn't affect my paycheck. That is what we need. Why do you think the premier is so hesitant then to move forward on it? I think there's an ideological block. Uh, I think that as a political party, as a conservative, he simply doesn't believe that this is a measure that ought to happen. And as a result of that ideological block, yesterday he said people are playing politics with this. The only people who are playing politics, who are bringing political views into this question of whether or not we ought to have legislative paid sick time are the conservatives themselves. They simply don't believe that should happen. And it is that belief that is negatively impacting people. Stay at home means nothing when you can't actually stay at home. All right. Uh, Fred, I really appreciate the time and the conversation here with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your interest. I please, uh, please stay safe. Uh, do, uh, let's do all we can to get through this hopefully last wave. You bet. Thanks again and stay safe as well. That's uh, Fred Hahn, president of CUPE Ontario.